When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to WrestleWolf. This is Reconsidering WCW Nitro. I am Dr. Damien Gibson and joining me, as always, is the man who only deals in kayfabe. It's Matthew Kayfabe. You're welcome. Uh, I didn't... What? <laughs> I've, uh, I've decided that usually I try and respond to that with uh, how great it is to be in kayfabe mm-hmm. or how, you know, whatever. And then I was like, you know what? These people don't deserve me at my best. They can, that they they get to listen to me at whatever version I am at today, oh, and they're welcome. Okay, you are welcome. The listeners are welcome. I am giving the gift of myself to you all, right, today think, for this brief period of time. I think I understand what's happening. We've had another increase in listeners. I don't usually tell Matt about this because he gets quite anxious, but I, I the last couple of days I've been keeping him abreast of of the like a lot of you guys who like uh, listening and uh, it's gone to his head immediately gone to his head this is why i didn't this is why i didn't tell you about our our figures <laughs> in the first place he's too big for the podcast he's gonna go solo <laughs> i think it's time yeah oh it's only a matter of time i mean you are the more talented one so <laughs> it's only a matter of time before i got ditched <laughs> That's right. It, it has been only a matter of time, and now I've used you, and uh, I'm done. I just go back to doing the one man fucking rants about Vince McMahon that were meant to be AEW shows, but it just turned into me <laughs> bitching about <laughs> Daniel Bryan's booking from I, six years ago. <laughs> I always think the most boring part of any kind, any band's career, is is the part in between them getting together and putting the work in and breaking up. Like, it's it's the it's the part where they're really successful oh, and right. people like what they're mm-hmm. doing. So, I just want to cut that part out <laughs> and just go straight to the breakup. This, uh, in the, the, the part in the uh, Motley Crue film, The Dirt, the biopic, The Dirt, have you seen that? I've read the book. Yeah, it was based on the book, but there's a part where, like, they- it gets to that point. It's like the you know the the second act where everything starts to fall apart for the band, hmm. and there's a there's a, a Nikki Six is narrating what's happened to the other three guys, and it's not good. And then it cuts to him, and he's like, "And me, what happened to me? I met the love of my life." And I was like, "Please say heroin, please say heroin." And he goes on to describe like how he's fallen in love with this woman, and then he's like, "Her name." China White, and then it shows her, it shows him like injecting heroin. I was like, oh, this is just the perfect movie. If you're looking for a terrible movie to watch, I recommend <laughs> The Dirt, The Motley Crue Story on Netflix. 
Yeah, I, I was just thinking, like you know, the the bit like it would it we're sort of at the moment like the Beatles playing the Cavern, mm. and uh, instead of kicking out Pete Best, I just want to be like Lennon and McCartney, who are like, you know what, songwriting's fucking dumb. Let's go work in factories. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, Paul's dad got Paul a job in a spring factory, which just sounds like the most, I mean, of all the factories, like a spring factory. Uh, supposedly he got fired, like, day one for being just terrible at, <laughs> at whatever it is you do at a spring factory. Coil springs, I suppose. He never got better at anything. Yeah, it was a sad... Thanks for wasting our time, Paul McCartney. Yeah, it's a sad story, the Paul McCartney. (laughs) The Paul McCartney story with no success whatsoever. (laughs) I mean, he he did end up married to a one-legged sex worker who tried to blackmail him. Um, Yeah. I don't know if she tried to blackmail him. This goes public, yeah, so that's libel. Good, Mm, okay. Good, good. well, cool. Well, Um, it's good that we'll get sued out of uh, the... uh, (laughs) Out of Apple Podcasts before we even get any kind of success whatsoever. (laughs) Why are we talking about this? I don't know. Let's talk about uh, WCW Nitro. <laughs> it's uh, This was an episode that aired on the 11th of December, 1995. It's so close to Christmas, guys. Uh, so close to Starcade. And uh, it's coming live from... Or the show, that is. is coming live from Horseman Country, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I should have written the state down, but I haven't. It's, so it is North Carolina. All right, the beautiful city of Charlotte. I've watched enough wrestling to know that those words go together. Charlotte, North Carolina, <laughs> Horseman Country. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pepe and Mongo are wearing their leathers uh, because it's about to get rough. Is what Mongo says. I'm not quite sure. Like in the sense that they're going to have a motorbike accident, and the leathers will protect them from the car crash of a TV show. That this is. Well, I mean. Leathers are either worn by tough bikies or tough fetishists. So they're one or the other. Um, I don't want to get blue. I don't want to suggest which one. But Mongo doesn't look like a motorcyclist. <laughs> anyway, Eric's introducing the, the show and uh, the bell rings for the first match. They get cut off. Can, can I just quickly take you back? So I looked up because I, I, I don't like to, I've, I've stopped taking notes, but I have just uh, gone on prowrestling.fandom.com. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to talk about this after the show. There were three dark matches to this show. Right. There were four matches in the show and there were three dark matches. I'm going to read out the dark matches and I'd love to know if you would want to watch any of these. <laughs> okay. Disco Inferno defeated Alex Wright. Yeah, maybe. Johnny B. Bad defeated yes. Diamond Dallas Page. <laughs> <laughs> the Blue Bloods, Lord Stephen Regal and Squire David Taylor, <laughs> defeated Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater. Absolutely not. I just really like the Blue Bloods because I like that Stephen Regal's a lord and Dave Taylor's a squire. His squire. And it's like, <laughs> but it's like, why wouldn't you have two lords in the tag team? Like, why would you have so obviously someone? Less capable as your tag team partner. <laughs> True. True. I mean, you know, the Rockers were Sean and Marty. Yeah, but it wasn't like King Sean and Pleb Marty. Peasant Marty. It was a little bit like that, but not officially. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't officially like that. Yeah, no, that 
I always wonder because like the shows only go for I mean this went for almost an hour because uh, this is this is the period where they start sort of Eric's because it's the show's only meant to go for an hour but they they seem to have gotten the tick off from the network to go over time because um, the last couple of episodes have sort of run at about 50 to 55 minutes um mm. and I think that they could probably do with that hard out from an editing point of view <laughs> there's um I mean I enjoyed this episode but there's stuff that's just like oh this is going on for too long Yes, there is some exceptionally uh, unnecessary stuff. However, not the Eddie Guerrero versus Jerry Lynn match to open with. Yeah, so, yeah, JL versus Eddie Guerrero. Uh, Eric announces that Eddie will represent WCW against New Japan at Starcade in the World Cup of Wrestling. Uh, this is a concept I, I really like. There's seven matches uh, to determine the World Cup of Wrestling, which is you know, in very sort of American fashion, only being uh, competed <laughs> for, competed for by America and another random country. But um, mm. Well, they've uh, got a, a Mexican person, a proud Mexican person uh, representing America, which is also very pro- American pro wrestling. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bobby says the New Japan guys are already in America uh, to acclimatize, which is about, I think, Starcade's two weeks away. So, mm. New Japan are taking this very seriously by the sounds of it. Um, and uh, Mongo announces that uh, Eddie has superstar written all over him, which I just thought was um, deliciously uh, ironic. Superstar WWF. He's he's gonna he's gonna make it one day. Eddie Guerrero might be good. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty obvious call from. Mongo, but like it's probably the most succinct thing Mongo said since we started doing this podcast. So I just wanted to point it out. I mean, it's also the exact thing that WCW gets called out for not putting over the talents like Eddie Guerrero. And Eddie Guerrero has barely lost a match and has been called incredible every single time uh, he's been in the ring. Yeah, hundred percent. Like maybe maybe that gets real bad when Kevin Nash and Scott Hall rock up, but mm. we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I've got. Uh, I get the vibe that that may be the problem. Uh, Eddie gets the the win here over JL. Um, but they kind of they kind of build up JL a little bit as well and say that he could represent New Japan. That he's a, he's a hot young talent. Um, so yeah, everyone's doing everyone's doing good work here. Uh, mm. Next up, we've got uh, Mean Gene interviewing Jimmy Hart uh, and Lex Luger. Uh, thank God it's not Jimmy Hart and the Taskmaster. I don't, I don't think I could have taken a seventh week of that. Um, mean Gene asks Jimmy Hart, who dresses him, Spike Lee or Spike Jones? That's a uh, very, very, very good uh, joke, isn't it? I don't know who the Spike Jones they're talking about is because I was thinking like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Exactly. That's yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up. I assume they're talking about the creator of Bugs Bunny. And the Warner Brothers guy, Spike Jones, right? Oh, the, who who died in the sixties? Yeah, well, Mean Gene is like seventy at this point, <laughs> so his references are older than mine. <laughs> that's true. Yes, I'm assuming that's the spot. I'm sure he's not like well, that guy directing uh, some White Stripes film clips. I don't think. Well, I don't think Spike no, Jones was directing in nineteen ninety five. <laughs> there's this talented young guy that I think is going to do some interesting yeah, stuff in the future. There's a 13 year old in Detroit who's doing some interesting stuff. 
Lex Luger, th- this is uh, this is classic WCW promo. It's classic Lex Luger. He basically points out that he has uh, been on the verge of beating Macho Man twice in the last couple of weeks. That he should be in the title picture. That he can beat Macho Man. That he can beat uh, Hulk Hogan. He doesn't really care about Hulk Hogan. And eventually he will meet Sting for the WCW Championship and may the best man win. And what a letdown to... What a letdown button that is on a promo where it's like, (laughs) I'm going to beat you, I'm going to beat you, and Sting, you're all right. Yeah, Lex Luger, I mean, known for his great promos, but this was not one of them. (laughs) He just... What I, I I was going to write down, I had written down a bit before he even got to that point of like, and Lex Luger starts speaking, I fell asleep. Matt, can you tell me what happened? And then he just did it for himself anyway. I didn't even have to try and inject any humor into the <laughs> podcast. It was just like, oh, no, he fucked it up himself. Uh, like, I literally just have to write down what he said. <laughs> and the podcast just stays on rails. Uh, next up, we get a ad for Starcade 95. And um, this is pretty hackney, man. There's like a uh, very sort of... Um, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, the start of the vapors turning Japanese music uh, is essentially the. <laughs> it's an Asian invasion at Starcade in 1995. It's like, oh, Jesus. I think the best Christ. bit is when he's like, uh, the land of the rising sun. And then there's just a mountain and a sun rising in, sp- in fast motion behind it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, shit, they really are. Yeah, it looks like a terrible sort of like uh, travel ad from mm. the 1980s. Like, welcome to Tokyo, <laughs> Japan, the land of the rising sun. Then there's just random shots of like, you know, a busy Japanese street, a mountain with a sunset, like, uh, you know, a geisha girl. Like, that's essentially what this this ad is. It doesn't actually really explain what's happening at Starcade. There's no mention of a seven-match seven, uh, a tournament to disc- to you know they they do mention there's a world cup of wrestling but they don't tell you what what that is at all so just like well you're just gonna have to spend fifty dollars american in 1995 to find out what it is <laughs> spoiler people didn't uh next up we get uh disco Inver- inferno versus paul orndorff uh in the battle of the two best theme songs maybe in wrestling history <laughs> uh, I think American Males is probably going to knock out uh, Disco Inferno. I actually have American Males written in brackets. It's like, well, maybe we should bring them into the conversation as well. The crowd are into Disco Inferno. I mean, they're not going mental for mm. him, but there, there, there is like, they're into him. You know, there's people doing the stupid dance, and I forgot about how um, they kind of painted him as a bit of a heartthrob. Like they would, <laughs> the way that. The way that, uh, and you probably all know this, listeners, but the way that middle-aged men will try and paint someone as attractive is by, especially in wrestling, is to show shots of attractive women in the crowd. Not necessarily reacting, just shots of attractive women. And so this was, this is how you knew that Eric Bischoff thought that Disco Inferno was a ladies' man because there were a couple of shots of attractive young woman, women and then like a nana. For no reason. <laughs> Depends what floats your boat. Well, yeah, something for the older gent. Um, <laughs> Eric says the disco only cares about one thing, and that is booty 
and his hair. <laughs> Every time I hear the word booty, I just think of what's coming because we are we are mere months away, my friend, from the booty man, one of my all-time favourite characters. Oh man, I can't wait. It's Billy Gunn's gimmick as played for as pa- played by Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Is there anything that Brutus can't do? Yes. Wrestle. Yes. He's the man of a thousand uh, faces, though. <laughs> That's true. Yes, no. Yes, no. He actually had his face ripped off in a boating accident. I didn't even think of that until I said it. <laughs> now I feel bad. I actually think it's disgusting that you just pretty much said that you wish Brutus had have died uh, in that accident. And, no, uh, I, do- the I thing think that's is, disgusting. I, I loved Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Donald. Uh, I, he, he was- <laughs> no, one, no one loves Brutus more than me. Uh, I Genuinely, as a kid, I loved him because he was Hulk's best mate. And I thought he was cool. I loved the haircutting gimmick. Like, I genuinely, as a, like, seven-year-old boy, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Did you like Tugboat when Tugboat was Hulk Hogan's best friend? Yep. <laughs> do you still like do you still like tugboat yeah i think it's an awesome gimmick <laughs> <laughs> so this this match sucked though right paul orndorff versus disco inferno was an actively bad match uh, paul orndorff comes out to the best theme of all song he's got uh, all, all time he has a bigger mirror and it says i am wonderful on the back of it and uh if Vince, if you're still listening to our podcast after how much we've slagged you off recently, if you could reproduce these and put them in the WWE store, I will seriously think about buying one. Just so I've got something else weird in my bedroom to explain to women when they come over. (laughs) I contemplated buying a Nasty Boys t-shirt once and I'm like, I hate the Nasty Boys. They're maybe my most hated wrestles of all time. But I was like, it's just so niche. I didn't do it. Because you want to be, if you're going to like, you know, your local indie show or like a, a wrestling con or something, you don't you don't want to be wearing your Macho Man t-shirt or your Shawn Michaels t-shirt. You want some, you want something that even Smarks look at and go, that's pretty cool. And that's why I have a Zodiac t-shirt. A Zodiac t-shirt. Like no one can beat that. That's, I mean, one, it's amazing it even exists. And two, <laughs> the fact that you've bought it is, is phenomenal. <laughs> Yeah, this uh, the one thing I have written down here in in relation to this match, which was terrible, um, is that both of these wrestlers are really leaning into their gimmicks, which I suppose you probably don't have a choice when they're this ridiculous, but they're at least trying to have a a go and some fun with their ridiculousness. Um, and Orndorff gets the win, which I found interesting. Not to get too serious into serious wrestle talk here, but. Um, having actually done some research for the show now, Eric Bischoff was saying on uh, 83 Weeks that uh, Orndorff was already kind of done as, from a body standpoint at this point. So, Well, I think this is this is his last match for a number of years. Well, it would have to be considering what happens. I, I just also want to give a shout out to Paul Orndorff uh, doing on purpose, yes, but the worst dancing I've ever seen in a, in a wrestling ring. Uh, like you couldn't be more white middle-aged it's certainly something it's worth watching the episode just to see paul on dancing in this match (laughs) 
Uh, next up, we get Mean Gene interviewing the four horsemen. Well, there's three of them. Uh, Brian Pillman, Arn and Rick come out. Uh, Brian Pillman does a promo about who wanted to be a horseman and how he was chosen over them. And I think it's meant to be a bit of a shoot promo, but in typical kind of Pillman fashion, and as we'll see well, on the competition more than in WCW later on, his promos are always a bit sort of rambly. So you kind of get... I found myself getting a bit lost here. Uh, and I think a couple of the elder statesmen were trying to get Brian back on track here with the promo, but failed miserably. <laughs> I, I've got to say that Brian Pillman's promos really were ripped off. His style was ripped off by people like CM Punk and that later on. Like, obviously, CM Punk was an extraordinary promo, but, like, Brian Pillman's the first guy to talk like a normal human being. Like, Kevin Nash is going to do it in a couple of years, hmm. but Pillman's really got it down. Yeah, he he still is doing that 80s sort of hangover of screaming, mm. which is something that I, I'm just, I, I just find kind of difficult to, to get into. That's fair. In this in this kind of rant, uh, Pillman uh, slags off Paul Orndorff, um, and then it's it, I don't know it all felt a bit clunky. Orndorff comes out and uh, has a go at uh, Brian Pillman. Uh, the other two horsemen get involved. They beat him down. This leads to Arn Anderson doing a pile driver on the concrete, and it looks was it a botch spot? I don't think so, but like. They do a pretty good job of making it look pretty full on. Uh, the only reason I think that maybe it was is how long they sort of c- continue, but they keep going back to us. Like, oh, now he's on the stretcher. Now he's being put into the ambulance. I feel like in those days they didn't have like the... Because um, WWF's contingency for that now is if it's bad, they don't show it. So if you're seeing if you're seeing someone being stretched off or be put into an ambulance, then that's part of kayfabe. If you don't see it, then that wrestler's probably in trouble. Whereas I don't think they would have had that constituency then. So the best thing to do is like, oh well, we'll show you that this guy is okay. Maybe yes. I'm maybe yeah. I'm doing too much of the work for WCW here. <laughs> I mean, we always are, but uh, you know, the the Ric Flair doing the sort of Ric Flair version of a Meltzer driver. Uh, you know, driving his, holding his feet as as he as he gets pile driven is is it's just really good. It's cool to see the horsemen because, like, obviously there seems to be a really hard turn in this episode where they're like, "Hey, we're not going to like deal with the Dungeon of Doom so much. The horsemen are now going to be the bad guys." Of course, uh, like you, they're, they're mean, right there. Yeah, but you've got the Dungeon of Doom right there too, so I know which one I would be picking. Uh, Orndorff gets carried off on a stretch. <laughs> I'm not even going to bother, like, fake fighting the point with that. Just like, no. <laughs> You actually think that the four horsemen are better than the Dungeon of Doom in 1995? I think their T-shirts are better. You're a fool. <laughs> that wild that wild stallion with the Roman numeral four on it. It definitely does have the Bill and Ted's about it. Uh, I want it really bad. In fact, my next pay, I'm buying one. <laughs> um, just so I can look like every other fuckhead when I get to, um, what's, uh, Conrad's fan thing again? Starcast. Starcast. I always go to call it Starcade and then people are like, what are you talking about? Starcade? It doesn't exist. Uh, next up we had Lex Luger versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Did you stay awake during this match? 
I, I honestly did not pay attention during this match. <laughs> I didn't think you would have. Uh, Hacksaw's on top early. Uh, Hacksaw gets the tape. He's, he's had this ongoing thing of like putting tape around his fists as if that's going to help hurt someone. Would that actually do I damage mean, to someone if you've got tape wrapped around your fist? This is not... The tape around the fist thing is like WWE is going to do this in like 2004. Like it's it's going to keep coming up in wrestling. So either it does legitimately hurt or people in wrestling think it looks like it legitimately would hurt more. Uh, well, uh, Lex puts uh, Hacksaw in the rack and gets the win. Uh, next up, we've got Mean Gene interviewing Macho Man. This is always something that I look forward to. Uh, don't know if this is Gene and Macho's best work, but uh, Gene talks about how busy Macho is um, and uh, really sort of painting him as a babyface champion, that he's all over the place. Everyone wants to speak to him. Um, can you imagine a world where, like, Macho Man is on chat shows? I mean, this is like a completely different <laughs> era. When you think of, like, who the top wrestlers are now, you know, you've got Cody Rhodes in one competition. You've got Roman Reigns and guys like Daniel Bryan in the other in the other promotion. And the top guy in WCW at the time was Macho Man Randy Savage going on like Jay Leno and having conversations. It's <laughs> like, so it's, weird. It's weird, right? I mean, it's going to get weirder when Jay Leno comes onto WCW and has matches. Um yeah, at Roadwild or Hogwild or whatever it is in Sturgis. <laughs> oh, man, we've got some Sturgis pay-per-views oh, coming up. some Sturgis. Jesus Macho talks about how powerful the giant is. What I noticed in promos recently in the last couple of episodes is there's a lot. Each character has sort of two to three kind of rivals at any one time because there's about five or six guys at the top of the card who are all sort of interchanging with each other yeah and so in this promo macho man talks about lex luger and and lex did it earlier in the episode as well where he talked about three other wrestlers macho talks about lex sting hulk and the giant but concentrates on how powerful the giant is because he's having a match with him next week on nitro mm. for the wcw championship but it I'm just sort of finding that a lot of that, a lot of the actual story beats are getting lost in. Well, make sure you mention all of these guys because we need to make sure that these six sort of wrestlers are kept at the top of the card. Mm. I think that's probably right. No, no, no. I think like the storytelling is deeply confusing. <laughs> Good. I was like, am I? Did I have a stroke in my sleep and I'm not? I can't keep up with this kids show from 1995. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite excited to see our main event, man. We've got Rick Flair and Arn Anderson, and I think we both have a, a big soft spot for Arn Anderson, mm. uh, versus Hulk Hogan and Sting, uh, who were probably the two biggest stars at, at this point in time, maybe Bret the Hitman Hart. Shawn Michaels are as big, but definitely in this, in WCW, these two are the biggest. Yeah. Um, Sting and Arn start the the match off, um, and they they have a, a a fairly decent sort of showing, uh, and then eventually we get the two the two guys that everyone wants to see in Hulk Hogan getting tagged in. He gets booed, and this is worse than uh, at World War Three, where we mentioned that Hulk was sort of getting booed quite a bit. This is 
I mean, you're in horseman country, so anyone that mm. Rick and Arn go up against is going to get booed. But I felt like there was like an extra bit of vitriol in the booing for for Hulk and you know being a, a New Yorker, so to speak. Yeah. Um. So uh, Eric uh, covers it up by saying the crowd didn't like the cheating of Arn Anderson, which was a pretty quick cover by by Eric, but it was pretty obvious what was <laughs> what was happening. Uh, Rick gets tagged in the crowd, go mental. Uh. Eric loses his voice next and Mongo has to step up. It's like that scene from Wayne's World where the camera cuts to Garth uh, mm. and Garth doesn't know what to say. <laughs> Did you not pick up on that? Eric no. like, starts coughing and he's like, oh, I'm going to lose my voice in a sec. And he goes off mic and then there's this break in transmission and Mongo's like, uh, uh, Rick going up to the top rope. Uh, and then Eric cuts back in and everyone's like, oh, thank Christ. Uh, while the match is going on, Lex Luger runs out and puts Hulk in the rack while the ref isn't paying attention. Uh, Arn and Rick continue to work on Sting. So Sting's kind of trapped in the horseman's corner here. For mm. I mean, the match goes for about 20 minutes. I think Stong is uh, trapped in that corner for 10 of it. I think uh, it's int- because this match only goes for 12 minutes. But it does feel like it goes for 20 minutes. <laughs> it is a brutal, uh, brutal match. Uh, Pillman comes out and attacks Sting. <laughs> Lex comes out uh, and then Macho Man, uh, uh, Macho Man comes out as well. He gets slapped by Sting. We cut to an ad break and then we cut back to <laughs> Sting, Macho and Hulk. Cutting a promo again that has no purpose, no direction. It goes on for way too fucking long. This was poor, man. I really didn't enjoy this at all. (laughs) I am so sick of this particular promo where they all stand around talking about brother friends and brother dudes and dude friends and who can trust who and why this person accidentally hit this person, like, far out. If you're making me not enjoy a Macho Man promo, then, like, something is wrong. Yeah, but it's it's because no one's really cutting a promo. They're all sort of talking over the top of each other and no real sort of story beats are being hit except for, oh, well, this confusion will show that they're confused in each other. Mm. But, uh, you know, I... You just think that, like, it would serve the show a lot better if this promo had been pre-recorded backstage. So there's just some clarity, you know. I know that they've got to give the fans who are there something, you know, as much as they would have loved the Disco Inferno Alex Wright match earlier in the night. Um, You know, they're paying to see these big stars, and I suppose, you know, they get a bit extra when these guys are just sort of yelling at each other. Mm. Yeah. but if you go on the network and see the thumbnail for the show, which is like Sting with his arms up in the air, Hulk with his arms up in the air, Macho looking confused, that's how you'll look at the end of this episode, <laughs> watching these guys cut this promo. I, I do, The only other thing I noted down is that Macho Man was like, everybody needs to take a chill pill. <laughs> which just is like the most... Ni- like, most 1995... Uh, catchphrase of all time and and became everyone's mum's catchphrase i think by about the year 2000 i'm surprised hulk hogan didn't like tell them to eat his shorts or something (laughs) yeah this thing was like don't have a cow man (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
I'm an underachiever and proud of it. <laughs> God. <laughs> As is traditional uh, now, I've got the what what WWF programmed against this. So you've got Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Sting, Hulk Hogan, Lex Luger, Eddie Guerrero. Like, despite the fact that this was a subpar episode of Nitro, you got a fair bit of talent coming on. Hmm. Uh, Raw had opens with Owen Hart versus Jeff Hardy. Oh, wow. But it's not the uh, Jeff Hardy of... It's the Jeff Hardy of 1995. So he's uh, about... Depending on what you think about Jeff Hardy, he's somewhere between seven and 25 years (laughs) from getting over. Right, Um, okay. (laughs) And then this I thought was interesting. They've got Aja Kong defeated Chaparita Asari. So they've got all Japan wrestlers wrestling and and WCW has New Japan wrestling wrestlers wrestling, which is sort of odd. Uh, Now, you will like this one. Um, Armored Johnson defeated Rick Stockhausen. Oh, yeah, that's my two faves. <laughs> um, Rick Stockhausen, by the way, on ProWrestling.Fandom, uh, when you click on his name, uh, it says... Your computer uh, explodes. It says <laughs> Rick Stockhausen. Rick Stockhausen is an American professional... Is a American professional wrestler. So not even an American professional wrestler. And then it has ring names, Rick Stockhausen. And that's it. <laughs> And it says that it currently doesn't meet Pro Wrestling Wiki's quality standards. What does that mean? Well, it's I don't know, but I don't think Rick Stockhausen ever met Pro Wrestling's quality standards. But you have a Google of him and there's a bunch of war books about war on Amazon that are out of print, written by someone called Rick Stockhausen. Oh, God. Maybe the same guy. And then the main event for the night, and you will actually like this because you're a dork, uh, Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund. Oh wow, that's actually pretty cool. What what date is that? <laughs> the twelfth of the eleventh. Okay, it looks like someone's got some Sunday evening <laughs> viewing lined up. <laughs> I've just got to say that that is the battle of the no personalities oh, uh, in nineteen ninety five. The hitman <laughs> smear campaign that you've been running for the last three weeks. I just can't handle you liking anyone but me, I think. I think it's personal <laughs> jealousy. <laughs> well, that got real honest real quick. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 we'll discuss this off air. <laughs> um, anyway, so Nitro once again puts on an objectively more impressive card. Uh, there's also Shawn Michaels spoke on this episode, so well, that's, that's the kind of... Well, it's better than Bret Hart wrestling. Um, but anyway, <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's all of Ni- that's all of Raw. That's all of Nitro. Yeah, that's everything. Um, this is a. It's an interesting episode of Nitro to watch, uh, just for the sort of um, elevated status of the Four Horsemen that will continually sort of be a, I suppose, a storytelling bone of contention for fans for the next four or five years at least, mm. or until Arn basically announces his retirement. Um, yeah. Of why aren't they using them more? They're using them too much. Why aren't they, you know... Um, I do remember Scott Hall and Kevin Nash being really dismissive of the Four Horsemen in kayfabe and real life uh, once they came across. So I think that kind of yeah um, signed 
their death warrant. <laughs> um, didn't seem like they got along with Arn very well in particular. Mm. So um, We'll get there. We'll have to enjoy the horsemen for the next six months or so. Yeah. I mean, I think we're about to get a whole lot of them, um, so that's good. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. And I, I like Pillman and Benoit as the other two. Like, I think that works pretty well. Yeah. I mean, that they bring a lot to the table. I think, unfortunately, Pillman is short for the horsemen. And uh, soon we're going to get Stephen Mongo McMichael. Yeah. There, I mean, there, there's a car crash element to that that I will <laughs> very much look forward to. <laughs> Cool. Well, on this day where Daniel Bryan has announced that he's on his last run in WWF um, and it's only a matter of time before he becomes the AEW champion, I think it's time for us to say, Pepe, oh, actually, I've got to do the last little bit that we always do. Thank you so much for all the new listeners who are coming through. Uh, Rate and review us. uh, Feed Al Gore's rhythms. Uh, If you want to follow us on the social medias, we're WrestleWolf at Facebook, WrestleWolfPod at Twitter and Instagram. Uh, We have a website called WrestleWolf.com, funnily enough. Uh, And uh, you can email us at WrestleWolfPodcast at gmail.com. If you subscribe, you'll get uh, all of our WCW podcasts, our AEW podcasts, anything else that we decide we want to put up on the feed, although we probably are doing enough at the moment, Um, (laughs) just from a time point of view. um and uh but yeah thanks but until the next episode goodbye brother friends see ya brother friends